where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. So it's funny, I forgot to leave myself a note, so I'm just going to do a little something here for a second. And uh, so it's the last Sunday in June, and throughout the entire month of June, uh, we've been praising God for the gift of music, essentially. We've had a song, um, a sermon series on scripture and song and the connection between the two. And we've identified sort of a truism when it comes to music that a message conveyed in music has a powerful effect. It really does engage many places in the brain. It diminishes barriers somehow. Somehow, you know, the music that we hear allows us to just relax a little bit more. It can change the rhythm of our breathing. It can calm it down. It can speed it up. It also allows for some defensiveness to come down. Not, not intentional defensiveness, but just the stuff that we carry. It's amazing what we carry in our bodies all the time and how music can allow us to just be a little more relaxed, a little more free. For me, music was a memorizing strategy in school. Uh, if I was having trouble memorizing something, I would just make up a song about it, and I would often use like a really simple Gregorian chant. Like, you know, you just sort of say, sing the words, and maybe just go up at the end of a sentence or down at the end of a sentence, and that always helped me to memorize it. And you've all done that too. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? I still do that when I'm trying to figure out where something is in the alphabet. What about the books of the Bible? Anybody here learn that song where you memorized all the books of the Bible? Just a few, yeah, okay. Not me, but good on you. This morning, we're going to have um, two hymns and an anthem. Uh, the anthem was selected by our youth, and then the service was constructed around that anthem. So our first, our first hymn was composed in 1970 by a parish priest of Spanish descent. It's called um, Pescador de Hombres. Anybody know what that means? Pescador de Hombres. Fisher of men. Right? So there's a couple stories where Jesus goes down by the side of the water and he invites fishermen to follow. And I want to be really clear that while many of us were taught that the followers of Jesus were these fishers of men um, and men themselves, it was like a band of brothers, there were also women and let's say the non-binary siblings that also attended. So this is not just an invitation for those who, are of, um, who identify with male pronouns. Jesus was an inclusive teacher, and many followed. It was the old and the young, and it included people of uh, 
the Jewish tradition and of the Gentile tradition. And this story that led to this song was the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And it's worth noting that it came after a sequence. So it's in three of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And the sequence is something like this. It comes after a time in the wilderness. So Jesus was baptized, went into the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil and the angels waited on him, depending upon the story that you're reading. And then John the Baptist, the one who came first, was arrested. So think about that. Think about that news story. As it reached Jesus' ears, it sort of woke him up into this is my time. This is my time to get involved. This is my time to share the message that has been given to me to continue the message that came through John. The song is, You Have Come Down to the Lake Shore. You'll hear it, it has a beautiful lilting melody. You can just sort of see the ripples on the water. And it uses and begins with the subject pronoun tu, T-U in Spanish which is informal and familiar. In other words, it's accessible. So this priest is writing about a Jesus that he has encountered in an informal way. So I don't know if you think about Jesus being down by the banks of the river or the reservoir or Lake McIntosh, going down and talking to the fisher people. What's he going to be wearing? He's going to be accessible, right? Exposed to the elements, maybe with a rod of his own. Who knows? But this is the one, the Jesus that he writes about is the one who sees them, who invites them, and who asks them to follow. Come and be a part of this. So whether your place of encounter is a lakeshore or a river, a reservoir, whether you're on a kayak or a paddleboard or on one of those tubes in Lyons or here in Longmont, whether it's in the pew or in the comfort of your favorite chair at home, Jesus sees you. Jesus invites you. And let's see what it means to follow. So we got one more hymn. And I have to confess, um, I was wanting to use this all month. I waited, uh, and thankfully it fit. Or maybe I'm just making it fit, but I really do think it fits. This hymn was written in 1980. And it was written by Dan Schutt, who is a Jesuit priest of European descent. And we started with the personal, come down by the lake shore. We went to the communal, where part of the gift of community is our interdependence and our capacity to lean on each other when we need to. And now we're moving to what it means to be or what the work of a Christian community is. I mean, we don't just gather to sing, even though that's fun, 
We don't just gather to get to know each other, even though that's meaningful and important. We gather to remember why we exist. And we exist, we have a purpose to build a city of God. That's the language. And now you might know the language as kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. It's imperfect. But I love the phrase city of God. Longmont's a city. Denver. Think of all the cities you've been to and all the good works that take place in a city or what it would be like to live in a city where God's law uh, was enacted and God's ways were enacted. That's why I like the term city of God. And this term, city of God, goes all the way back to the year 400. That's a long time. So it might surprise you that the term city of God first came into print through Augustine of Hippo. He was one of the church leaders back in the day, and he wrote a book called The City of God. And The City of God, um, which was really his life's work, was published in 426, and it was an argument for the truth of Christianity over competing religions and philosophies. So he was sort of stating the case for Christianity. And this came after an event called the Sack of Rome. Rome got desecrated and demolished, basically, by a group called the Visigoths. Has nothing to do with what you might be thinking about Goth culture. That's not it. This is the ancient Visigoths. And so they came and they dominated Rome, and Rome was in, was a mess. So imagine if that happened to our city here and how dispirited people would be, how scared, how upset. And what St. Augustine said was that even if the rule of the empire was imperiled, was in destruction, it was the city of God that would ultimately triumph. Now that's a gospel message, isn't it? Imperiled isn't the end. Death isn't the end. The city of God would ultimately triumph. And within this hymn, we see that triumph expressed. It goes back to the prophet Isaiah in the Hebrew scripture. Uh, Isaiah 60, there's a verse that says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, of course it does. Isaiah chapter 9 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. That sounds familiar too, doesn't it? Because actually in Matthew's gospel, you know the one right before he goes down to the lakeshore and calls the first disciples? Jesus is credited with considering this scripture. Those who lived in a land uh, where it says, it says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, right before calling the first disciples, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. And this is in our New Testament. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. 
and for those who sat in the region, a shadow of death, in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. Again, this concept of light being stronger than death and darkness. It doesn't matter how dark it seems. You know this, the power of one candle can extinguish darkness. One simple match, one flicker from a lighter. Even the screen on your phone extinguishes darkness. You're also going to hear in this hymn something from the letter to the church, um, to the group known as Ephesians 5.14. It says, Sleeper, awake, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Sleeper, awake. This is your wake-up call. This is your morning alarm. You'll also hear echoes of Isaiah 40 that says, Comfort, O comfort my people. And if you're familiar with the Beatitudes, blessed are those who mourn or grieve, and they will be comforted. We've also heard that said recently as, Blessed are those for whom their hearts break. It means you're alive when your heart breaks. And ultimately, you will be comforted. Or John chapter 16, you will have pain now, but your pain will turn to joy. That's the gospel message, is that it doesn't end in pain, it never ends in darkness, it never ends in death. There's always more. Just when you think you've come to the end of the song, there's another verse. So let's start to get this song in our head. We're only going to sing the refrain, right Tim? Yeah, we're going to sing the refrain. Uh, Tim and Jenny are going to handle the verses. Um, So let's get this in your head, because this is what it means to be church. Church. 